With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are Jay talking with live midnight two five. Bradley Jay with you, and it's about one week till Halloween. It's on. The weather is right. Everything's right, and so we're going to officially enter the Halloween season on Jay talking with our guest J W Oker. He has a season called a. He has a book called A Season with the Witch: The Magic and Mayhem of Halloween in Salem, Massachusetts. And J W actually went to live in Salem during the Halloween season to absorb it, to immerse himself and his family in it, and write this book. So thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, now this is a, a book from 19, from uh, 19, <laughs> 2016. Yes. So I moved to Salem in 2015, Okay. and then the book came out a year later. So you moved your family into a couple of places in Salem. Tell me about that. Yeah, so for the book to work, I had to live in Salem, and I had to live right downtown. I had to be on the street where you could smell the witch's incense. I needed to be able to see masks go back by, by my window, or it just wouldn't work as a concept if I lived like on the outskirts of town. Yeah, what's so, the point? Exactly. But the problem there is, obviously, Salem in October is hard to find a place. Just almost impossible. It's if you super, don't let you book a year ahead, yeah, you know. It's like high season at the beach. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Prices go up. There's only so much space there anyway. So I had to do some creative some creative deals to get places to live <laughs> downtown Salem. And what were the deals that you made? So I found two. Uh, one deal was uh, there's a couple. I went to Airbnb, and then I found places that people weren't actually renting out their houses during, the, during that time. They grayed them out because they were actually wanted to live there. Yeah. So I figured those people weren't renting their houses, so they just weren't renting them. So I asked all those people. I said, hey, if I pay you, can you just take a vacation and let me have your house? Um, and I found a couple that were willing to do that. And because you were writing a book, that was not weird. Otherwise, that would be weird, right? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I'm I just told a dude. The story. I'm just yeah. a guy. Can you leave your house? <laughs> but if you say I'm writing a book, can you leave your house? It's exactly. It's this, and, and I think one of the one of the people that lived there was a teacher, so it was kind of like they're okay. into it. And then the other house I lived at was a, a lucky bounce. A friend of a friend of a friend knew somebody that had an apartment built on the back of the house, and they let me live there. Uh, and it was just worked out perfectly. So, are you, or should I should I say, have you always been an occult enthusiast? Most of my life, the darker stories always made me happier. For um, It didn't become a specialty probably until I was an adult, but definitely I always leaned in that direction for sure. Hey, can you think of some of the early things that drew you as far as dark stories? Uh, yeah, I was definitely uh, always into horror movies. I, you know, I, I, I grew up, though, in like a 
pretty Christian home, so you couldn't really do that. But then as soon as I could do that on my own, I definitely just immersed myself in that world. Pretty Christian? Like how Christian? Like like wicked Christian. Like fundamentalist Christian. So, so really, really Christian. <laughs> so really Christian, right, exactly. You're Christian enough so you couldn't watch a horror movie. Not not technically, yeah. So definitely. that's pretty pretty Christian. Yeah, exactly. No, it was it was uh, you couldn't go to theaters, that kind of thing. So they had kind of rules around that. So do you feel that the fundamentalist parents are kind of what sent you the other way? It must be. Uh, not really. I mean, we definitely weren't so cut off that I wasn't aware of culture. Uh, and I, and I, what I always also tell people is when you're in fundamentalist or any kind of Christianity, you believe in monsters. I mean, demons and spiritual warfare. You're, you're which is devil. The devil, yeah. You're sur- even you're surrounded by all kinds of creatures in that in that kind of mythology. So it's it's kind of preps you to like that kind of stuff. Huh. And any books on the occult before this one? Uh, it depends on how you define the occult. So I definitely spent a year of my life going all over New England looking for death-related sites. So sites related to serial killers, sites related to horror movies, sites related to monsters. Uh, the New England Grimpendium uh, was the name of that book. Did the same thing for New York. Grimpendium? Grimpendium, yeah. I made That's up a good. Word. Yeah, it's good except for SEO because nobody knows to search for that that word. But <laughs> otherwise it works. Did the same for New York. And then I did a book on Poe before I did this uh, Salem book. So you moved up to Salem and... Uh was it? I'm trying to figure out if it's touristy, scary, or genuinely creepy. It's touristy, scary. Uh, I mean, very. Unless you're there like on a Tuesday night, it's, it's not very empty at all in, in October, especially. Uh, so it's mostly just tons of people in costumes having fun, you know. And that's kind of how it feels. Even on Halloween night itself, which where, there, where there's like a hundred thousand people in the city, it's more I'm surrounded by a crowd, and that's scary. So I understand that. The population is generally about 40,000 or 50,000 by now, maybe. But on Halloween, it swells to 200,000. Yeah, so and that, that 40,000 in Salem is the entire eight square miles of city. That 100,000 on Halloween is only in those like 10 blocks that are downtown. So it's even like a bigger squash than that. And then over the course of the entire month of October, you're talking, I don't even know what the numbers are these days, probably a million people coming in. How crowded is it? When you're walking around. Like. Really crowded. Um, so the Essex Street Pedestrian Mall is the main drag, and it's only foot traffic, you know, cobblestones and stuff. And it can get, uh, closer you get to Halloween, it can get thick. Like you're definitely being punched in the face by witches and elbowed by Frankenstein as you walk by. Like rush hour on the MT- MBTA crowded? Almost. Yeah. In fact, the the uh, MBTA or whatever the commuter train connection out to Salem always just dumps off, dumps off tons of costume people every single weekend. Because uh, it's like a 20-minute train ride from Boston. You did more, of course, for the book, you had to talk about more than the costume wearers. You <laughs> yeah, had right, to right. get into the kind of the real stuff. And the, the Salem Witch Trials and the putting to death of so-called witches was a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you go into that, uh, the tale of the, the witch trials and all? Is, yeah, definitely. Is, we have a, the luxury of time, so you can be super detailed. <laughs> well, it actually is a relatively simple story as far as the facts. Like the psychology and the, the WTF-ness of it is definitely... It would take you forever to figure out, but literally what happened was two tween girls, a 9 and 11-year-old, kind of panicked, uh, accused um, uh, witches of attacking them, and then started accusing people. And so how did they know up. about witches? Because it because that was a Christian Exactly. Community. They were Puritans, so they believed that there was a spiritual warfare around them at all times. They were living out in the woods. This is colonial 17th century, so they believed they were out there in the dark woods, uh, kind of watching them and stalking them. I mean, Satan is an active monster in the Christian mythology. He's literally trying to devour you every second of your life. So these people were scared. And so the, the girls had a freak out, and it just kind of conflagrated from there. 
So did they were they blaming something they did on the devil or the witches? Kind of. I, the story is it's a little bit uh, vague, but the story is they were playing like a harmless little fortune telling game, right? They were dropping egg yolks into water, and the idea is. Whatever shape appeared there, you could tell the future. Maybe who the, who your husband was or what he would do oh, wow. for a living, that kind of thing. And the idea is they got caught doing that, which is a big no-no, obviously. So they kind of just panicked and freaked out. And eventually, the first time somebody said, these, these girls are oppressed by witches, they ran with it. They just kind of like ran with it. And there was enough suggestibility among the adults that it just became uh, explained that way. And people started using it to their own advantages, uh, accusing neighbors. Yeah, in what way? Uh, they would accuse people they had feuds with, maybe over a piece of land, maybe over um, um, just a inter interpersonal feud, not so, liking each other. So with the girls evoking witchcraft, it became a thing. Here, it's It became out there. It became a the tool. top of people's yeah. mind mm -hmm. and say, oh, well, I don't like her. I can call her a witch or I want her property. I can say she's a witch and then buy the property, yeah. et cetera. They're like, look how easy it was for that little girl to call that person a witch and then them go right to the questioning. Yeah, I could do that easily. Um, so that and some of them are true believers, obviously, that there was actually witches going on. Some of them were a lot more manipulative and a lot more, um, you know, just malicious. <laughs> but yes. it was just a big mess at the end of the day of people. Were some people actually acting weird, like they might have been possessed by witches? Uh, not possessed by them, but they were acting weird, like they were being oppressed by them. Oppressed so the by accusers them. would be contorting their bodies and screaming and oh, and saying fingers. they're making me do it. They're, yeah, exactly. They're attacking me right now. You can't see them because they're invisible spirits, but they're attacking me right now in front of you. And people believed it. Believed it. They put on a really good show, and they wanted to believe it. Honestly, that's part of the thing. They wanted to believe it. And people still kind of believe it. I mean, do, are there some people that believe this stuff? Uh, that believe that that there are actually demons. Oh yeah, yeah, that, and. That will make you contort your body and, and don't. Certainly, yeah, no, exorcism, if you if you just Google that today, there are exorcists in active practice today across religions, not just Catholics, but Catholics, Protestants, there's definitely a... People making a living at exorcism. Exactly, exactly, or at least especially at exorcism. Uh, maybe they just do it on the side. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little Chimney little sweep by We're all day. hustling on the side, right? That's what they're doing. <laughs> oh, can you talk about some of the actual sites there are to see if you go up there besides the candy store and the... <laughs> you know, the, there are tombs, there are... Sculptures, interesting sculptures, and again, we have plenty of time. So, yeah. So, are you talking about like historic sites? Are you talk about attractions. Which which one you Let's want? Go with historic both. sites. Yeah. So, related to the witch trials, which is interesting. The, there's nothing really in Salem proper related to the witch trials that survives. There's like one house that belonged to a judge, basically. Yeah. Uh, most of the sites that that survive are actually outside of Salem in Danvers, which used to be a part of Salem back in the day, and and actually that's where the witch trials started. Was in the, what's now known as Danvers. So the parsonage where the, the tween girls kind of freaked out, that foundation is in Danvers, the monument's in Danvers. So what? Did, tell me about the judge that had a house in Salem. Uh, yeah, so it, I mean, there was no real connection. He just, that, that one house survives. The It's a black house. It looks like a witch house. They call it the witch house, actually, now that I think about it. Because I see a picture of it in the book. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, it's a house that a judge just owned. It's, it's really not no story a judge that, that was involved with the trials? Yeah, it was a judge involved with the well, trials. Well, what can you tell me about him? Any, anything at all? What, who he was? Uh... I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. There's like 12, 15 judges, uh, so I can't remember which one it is. Okay. I mean, everybody, everybody that's read the book is yelling at me now because they know, and they're just like, that, "This is the guy." Okay. Uh, but the big one that everybody remembers is Hathorne, Judge Hathorne. Oh, he's like tell the me main as much villain. as you can about that site and that judge. So he's actually buried in the middle of Salem. He, that's another kind of witch trial site. His graveyard, his gravestone still survives. Has the word Hathorne on it. It's right there in the old bearing point, right in the middle of the town. Um, it. He was kind of the the leader of the the trial. And the guy that kind of pushed things way toward the supernatural. 
uh, and away from the logical. So the entire like court battle was between logic and supernatural, and he kind of erred on the side of the supernatural as far as evidence goes. So he's kind of generally held as the uh, the biggest villain in the in the witch trials. <clears throat> Any other uh, monuments, tombs, etc.? I see, uh, photo, I see photos in the book. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a monument. Uh, Salem has a witch trial monument, uh, which is right beside the cemetery. It's very sedate. You could miss it if you weren't paying attention to it. It's like a couple of trees and some benches. They have um, – there's another uh, witch trial monument in uh, Danvers, which is like a big kind of stone pulpit. And what they put up right after I finished the book, they actually put a monument on the site of the actual executions, which is about a mile outside of town, which in is really Danvers? Cool. Uh, no, that, this is actually in Salem. Okay. So, um for, forever, nobody really knew where the where the execution site was. They knew yeah. it was generally in the general vicinity of Gallows Hill, which is a park now. And about it, two and a half years ago, they came out and said, we know the site is right here. And it's like a hump of rock behind a Walgreens in, in Salem. And they spent time and made an actual monument for the first time in their history. You know, 400, it happened 400 years ago, and there's finally a monument on the site of the executions, the actual Gallows site. And uh, there are some other monuments as well. Uh, for the witch trials, there's some. I mean, it, there's not that much more. There's a big statue of some of the victims, but that's like in an attraction. So there's not a huge number of civic kind of memorials. So what do people go see? Do they really just kind of go to enjoy each other? It's like a party? It's like exactly. the class Halloween party? Exactly. You, you don't really go to Salem to learn about the witches. I mean, oh. you're going to like go to ghost tours. You're going to go to the attractions. So there's Salem has about four or five different witch museums. Mm-hmm. Um, and they use the word museum really loosely in Salem. Right. These, are, these are attractions. They're wax museum attractions. They're, they're theater attractions. And you, you'll learn the story there. But again, it's kind of... It's it's there for profit. It's not there to kind of educate them, educate people coming to Salem. Okay, can you tell me about some of the characters that you run into? Are there some perennial characters that are always there uh, during <laughs> the Halloween season? You're probably talking about the street performers, right? Street. Well, uh, there's Laurie Cabot, the oh the, the witches. The witch. Yeah. There, there's got to be local characters that tend to be there, and everyone knows them. Yeah, there's a few. There's a couple of witches. Laurie Cabot's a great one because she started the whole. Did um, she start Halloween in Salem? Not as Halloween. A, as she started. Today? She started Salem as a religious witch mecca. So okay. here's the weird thing about Salem. There's three witches in Salem. Yeah. There is the historical witches who didn't exist, right? They were just innocent victims. There are the religious witches. These are the actual Wicca kind of practitioners mm-hmm. like Lori Cabot. Yes. And then there's the car- the cartoon witches, the Halloween witches. And those are all three totally different witches. And they are kind of um, a lot of friction between those three types of witches. So when you come to Witch City, which one you're coming for is kind of up for grabs. Now the religious witches, the Wiccans, these say, are there? Is that a haven for them as well? It is uh, historically it has been. Did these they days, kind of move there and from around the country to live and everything. For decades, it was the only place you could be a witch out in the open. You know, wear your robes, wear your pinnacle. You could do that. You could do that. Yeah, you, in, to, totally cool in Salem in, in the summer. Yeah, anytime. Hey, it's Fourth of July. I'm uh, wearing my. Exactly. Historically, you know, Christian groups would hate that, or you know, secular groups that didn't want that kind of stuff around would hate that across the country. But um, so Salem was the only place you could do it. These days, you can pretty much do it anywhere. I mean, we're becoming a more secular nation every day. So you can pretty much be in a coven and out out and out in a coven pretty much almost anywhere in the country. Do they have covens, more than one coven up there? Yeah, yeah. They have a the, – the final tally of covens, nobody knows because the thing about these kind of new age Wiccan religions is they're – you kind of can make them – you kind of can customize it to your own desires. You can pick your tradition. You can pick – what a coven means, who's in it. You can pick your own terms even, so it's really confusing to outsiders yeah. and probably to insiders too. Uh, but yeah, there's actual covens of uh, witches in Salem. And that's uh, considered a, 
an, an actual religion by the government? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think even they let you use um, pagan sim- – if you're buried like in Arlington National Cemetery now, you can actually use a pagan symbol instead of like a cross or any like the, the Jewish star or anything like that. So is Laurie Cabot any other famous witches or is she the, the- – She's the number one. Um, there's a lot of ones that want to be famous, honestly. Um, Christian Day is a big one. He's a he's a very controversial witch because he likes to you know he speaks his mind. He has a lot of ideas, and he lives half in Salem and half in New Orleans, which is the other kind of spooky city in, yeah. the, in the country. So he's kind of like uh, well known and has a lot of kind of businesses and a lot of high pro- high profileness. And he makes his living totally out of being a witch, right? Totally. Uh, a lot of them do, honestly. A lot of them do. And he do, he makes a really good living <laughs> just being a witch, but a lot of them make livings. Okay, and. Let's get into, there's some statues that are kind of fun. There's a, a Bewitched statue and other whimsical statues, correct? Yeah. So that's a good, so Samantha from Bewitched, the, uh, the sitcom from the 70s, there's a statue dedicated to her. So she falls under the uh, Halloween witch, witch, the cartoony witch. You know, yeah. she does magic, she flies on brooms, she, you know, has shenanigans with her husband. Um, and that's, you know, uh, right downtown, like right at the end of Essex Street Pedestrian Mall, it's right there. I mean, it's more prominent than the actual Witch Trials Monument, honestly. So... Again, it's kind of a little bit contentious. You have actual religious witches, religious witches having to look at a caricature witch. Meanwhile, the historians are saying, what about the actual victims of the witch trials? But isn't the business of witchery good for the religious witches, actually? Yeah. It, I, it makes it witch city, and they're the, they're the real deal in witch yeah, city. Yeah, so they're, they're conflicted over that. I had many of them, because I probably interviewed a dozen uh, different witches, and they all kind of admitted, yes, it brings attention to us, which is, which is good. But they're so conflicted, because they step out of their witch shop, and they see like on the street signs... Or the mascot of the local high school is a witch, but it's the green witch with the warty nose and yeah. it's ugly, it's a crone. And they're like, that's what do kind they call of a stereotype. Team? The, the, the witches? witches? I think they're the witches, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. So the, you, you see them marching in the Halloween parade and there's, there's like a big giant witch mascot. And the witches home. are not insulted by this? They are. No, they definitely are. They're like, we're not that. They almost consider it a, a cliche, a, a stereotype. Are insulted by being the team being called the witches? Some of them are. Lori Cabot actually told me specifically about that. She didn't like that at all. And she's been trying for decades to get them to not do it that way. But because just, some Native Americans don't like teams being called the Indians. That, that's the analogy a lot of witches would use. I don't know if it's one-to-one, but that's definitely the analogy a lot of witches would use. Mm-hmm. Huh. And how about another statue? Uh, the, Nathan, the Nathaniel Hawthorne statue is right there as well. Any more uh, fun statues that are not historical, like whimsical statues? No. Let me t- top of my head. I don't think so. I think Samantha is the one. What do they sell in witch shops? Uh, everything. So there's a lot of books, a lot of witch books for people studying to be witches or that kind of thing. There's a lot of um, spells, spell ingredients. There is a lot what of- What are um, some spell ingredients? Uh, well, I have on my shelf for my time there a, a vial of porcupine um, <laughs> quills. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of crystals, a lot of kind of herbs. In fact, there's one witch shop in uh, Salem called Artemisia Botanicals. It's only botanicals. They just have jars and jars of herbs. Um but it can be really anything, anything natural. They make uh, brews out of just about anything. Incense, a lot of incense. Do they really? Do the real witches actually make brews? Yeah, yeah. No, they have, they have spells that they believe um, alter or at least have an impact on lives. They do. They do. Do they that. have a cool place where they do this? Yeah, I think they all have places where their covens go. Um, but I'm not. They don't have like. There's not like a central witch church. That's what you're, that's what you're talking I, about. I, you know, I just picture like. Like some big tent. Some <laughs> no, they do do a lot of outside rituals, though. They'll do a casting circle out in the common, or they'll go to Gallows Hill and do some rituals there. Do they have the, the classic Eye of Newt and Wing of Bat and stuff? <laughs> not that I saw. Not that I saw. Unless it was marketable. Because that's the that other thing. That would be is, uh, uh, cruel to animals. No. <laughs> possibly. But they will, they will have stuff in their shops that are just for tourists. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me. Some of them do have some plastic Eye of Newts and Toes of Frog. 
We continue with J.W. Oker, A Season with the Witch. And J.W. did act, that exactly, is went up to uh, Salem, Massachusetts, and spent a season, a witch season, in Salem. Now, with all those folks going up there, we talked about how the, the religious witches feel about it. We didn't really talk about how the the residents feel about it. They, they have their nice, kind of empty kind of idyllic little historic town to themselves for much of the year, and then they don't. Of course, businesses make money, but in general, how do the non-retail people up there feel about it? No, that's a good That's a good differentiation because the, the non-retail people are in, high, hugely inconvenienced by it, right? They just, like you said, lose their downtown for an entire month plus, and it's, it's not good. We talked to somebody there who was moving because they just couldn't take it you know, they love, this, love the city, but once a year they had to put up with this, and they hated that. You think they just said they were moving? Like people say, I'm leaving the country. No, these, these people were serious. They, uh, they had it all for sale and everything. Because their entire street got blocked off. It wasn't just like they couldn't come downtown. They lived downtown. So their entire street got blocked off. It, it's a big inconvenience. Meanwhile, like you, the retail people love it. I mean, they, that's how they make their living. They want the more the merrier to come down to their shops. Um, and some people like it, like it just being different, right? The city you, you want your city your home city to be unique in some way. Yeah. Most of us do that with sports teams, I guess, but yeah. they can do it with witches. So they have a real identity that town. They do, yeah. Some don't like the identity, some do. You think the people kind of grumble just because it's the thing to do that they really like it? <laughs> There's definitely that. There's definitely some people doing that because it is fun to grumble about it. But if all that went away, they would just be like every other city. They'd be they'd be Gloucester, they'd be Ipswich, they'd be like every other kind of lobster and lighthouse city. They wouldn't be a cool city. Are the taxes high up there, by the way? Uh, you probably about, didn't. Live about there. average, but I will say property value is skyrocketing there. Now that they have this 20-minute um, train ride into Boston, everybody working in Boston is now moving to Salem, and it's getting hard to get a house there. What? Is that new? Is that a new thing? That's The train's gone in there for a long time, right? Uh, they refurbished it about the year the year I went up there, so three or four years ago. Oh, and it so became, now it's faster? It's faster. It's very convenient. It's cheap. It's easy to use. And so now it's become a, a huge part of their kind of getting people in there. So now it's expensive. Yeah, now it's a place of, you know, every it's hard to buy a house there. Do you have any idea how much, give me an idea how much money these people make in a month. You must have got some sense of that. It's so hard to tell, but I will tell you that, I mean, some of these museums that are just, you know, statues of people are pulling in like 25 bucks a head, you know. Really? It, what? Yeah. To yeah. see a statue? To see like, yeah, to see a few statues, uh, some old, like, some old, like, dioramas from the 1950s. Uh, so it, they're making a good tidy profit. I mean, again, it's only a month of profit or maybe two months, but they're, they're So it sounds good. like, I don't know, I have to be frank, it sounds kind of like a ripoff. For, some would say that. That is a definite theory that a lot of people have. They feel like that's a very kitschy part of Salem. So you lived there during a season. Did you think, wow, this is kind of, you know, kind of a lot of fluff and not worth it? No, so I went the other way. So before, I used to visit it quite a bit, and I was starting to lean toward that kind of kitschy, fluffy, like this is not the best way to do this. Yeah. But once I lived there and I met, I kind of saw the city from all angles and all dimensions, yeah. I fell in love with the place. I literally almost bought a house there after we moved out. Interesting. So it's such a, it has a small town feel, yeah. but all the amenities of a big city. So it's just a really cool place. You know, people say, don't go to New Orleans during uh, Mardi Gras. But they're, <laughs> right, they're kind right. of wrong uh, because at least in New Orleans, the people, the citizens almost... They're really into Mardi Gras. They feel like it's a civic, a civic pride thing and a mm -hmm. civic duty. They they dress up on the uh, what is it uh, Fat Tuesday, yeah. and they're really into it. A lot of them. Some just go away, but some, you know, you see these old dudes dressing up, and you know they've yeah. done it for fifty years. 
Do you see any of that in Salem? I think so. I think there's a there's a good contingent of people who, lo- again, love the fact that they live in a city that is unlike any other city on the planet. So they get into it. They're into the parades. They do kind of the dress up. They 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 like it. Um, but I think the, that's a probably a minority. If you kind of take in all the residents together, they're probably a minority. Okay, you just touched on so-called museums. What what? A, let's run through the museums before I get to why people, why murder, torture, and death are okay for two weeks a year. <laughs> sure. So you get the Salem Witch Museum. That's probably the most most popular one because it's been around since the 1950s. You get the Witch Dungeon Museum. What's in the Salem Witch Museum? It's um what, it's what? a diorama of characters and you, the static characters. They're not made of wax. They're like poly, some kind of plastic. Yeah. And you just kind of sit there in this narrator and it, they kind of highlight each, as they tell the story of the witch trials, kind of highlight each Shine figure. Shine a light on each figure. Exactly what they do. So it's a very, not very modern attraction at all. And m- most of the stuff in Salem isn't modern. Which has a kind of a bit of a, uh, there's, there's something to that. There's a charm to that. You know, you've been coming to Salem for your entire life, and that kind of stuff hasn't changed. So don't they have a museum that has the actual boards that pressed that guy to death? <laughs> they, and, and, and real items of torture from that period of time. They have a few minor artifacts. Um, I think a sundial owned by one of the victims, a couple of uh, nails. But they're, they're, nobody, nobody displays them anymore. They're like in a basement somewhere. In, a, in Rowley, I think they are now these days. That's crazy. Yeah. It's because they're owned by the Peabody Essex Museum, and those guys are now a high-class international museum. They're not a local museum anymore. But they should have a branch where they show the real stuff. Yeah, but they're not into they're not into local history. It's not their brand. They're like, we are international culture, and that's kind of – and they've been very profitable focusing on international culture. I mean, they've grown huge. They're like – when I visited, when I lived there, it was the ninth largest art museum in the country by area. Yeah. And they just opened a brand new wing like two weeks ago. And where is that? It's right on, it's right downtown Salem, on Essex Street Pedestrian Mall. So they don't have that on display though? I mean, no. they, it's that seems sad to me. It's Halloween, it's Salem, it's the actual history and legend of the of the town and they don't have the real stuff. They have it, but they won't show it? Exactly. It's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Because again, they don't want to be a part of it. They want their brand to be not the people coming to see witch stuff. They want their brand to be people coming to see high art and international So why artifacts. do they have the witch stuff? They, just, they kind of bequeathed it because they used to be two different museums, one a local museum and one kind of a collection from from sea captains. And when they merged, they just had tons of stuff they I didn't want to show. To, we should talk to them about that. It's that in the book. I mean, they have, right. they have shrunken heads. They have like skulls made out of drinking, uh, skulls turned into drinking glasses. Right. But they don't want to show that stuff because they don't want to be a part of that part of Salem. But that's true history. It is, but they have they have tons of stuff though. So they they can they kind of know how to cut it in a way that makes them maximize their grants. That's and a funds. shame. Shame. <laughs> I think so. Too. Oh. well, now why do people love Halloween so much? That's different from it's a different question yeah. from why for two weeks murder, torture, and mayhem is okay. <laughs> why do people love Halloween so much? So I think so. Death basically Halloween is is a death celebration. Like all cultures have one. And in our culture, it, death isn't really okay. We're, we're kind of we're really scared of it. We're we're kind of disgusted by it. So, but our, for an entire year of our lives, every year we're kind of pushing away, pushing away, pushing away. But Halloween is kind of like a, a pressure seal, right? It, you can um, deal with it for like two weeks or one night. You can deal with it, be okay with it, and that, that that kind of makes you okay for the rest of the year when you're trying to push it away from your mind. So it's it's kind of just like a, I don't know. Did you come up with that yourself? Uh, no, I, yeah. Is that what the official? That's that's what they say about horror horror cinema and media yeah. in general. Is that's a it's a way to kind of it's a catharsis, so it allows you to do that. So okay. I think it applies to this as well. So that answers the second question: Why, for two weeks, it's okay? But why is it so popular? Why are people 
going in droves to to Salem? It's a good question. My, my stat I always give is eight point eight billion dollars last year for Halloween, the second largest industry as far as holidays go in the country. Christmas is like a trillion dollars, so untouchable. But Halloween is not a gift giving holiday. I was going to say eight point eight billion dollars. It's going to be a sad thing when. Halloween becomes a gift-giving holiday. <laughs> no, it'll ruin it. Totally Someday, ruin it. same with th- Thanksgiving and Halloween. That's so great because they're not gift-giving. And they're not. Uh, Halloween is also good because it has, there's zero obligations. You have no obligations in this holiday. You can do whatever you want. Go to whatever party you want. You have to take your kids trick or treating, maybe, yeah. but no obligations otherwise. When you lived there, did you go trick or treating? We did. Yeah, and it was uh, a lot of fun. I, my at the time, my girls were, I think, three and six, and we would go downtown into all the houses, and there were people on their stoops, kind of crossing off how many different countries and states they're getting. Oh, yeah. Because people would just come to Salem just to trick-or-treat. From other countries. Other countries, other states, and they just had a list. Like, oh, you guys are from New Hampshire? Crossed off my list. I've, I've seen eight other people from eight other states and three different countries. So it's it's a big deal. It's a lot of fun. And did you stay at home giving out candy, too? You must have. No, we didn't. I wanted to be out there. So I, there's Who, an entire chapter did? in the book that's Halloween from 6 a.m. to after midnight. I just chronicled the entire day, which was like just nonstop stuff to do. And so I wanted to be out there in the thick of it during the trick-or-treat. And trick-or-treat was only like two hours of that entire day. Uh, But I wanted to do everything I possibly could. Are the treats really, you know, excessive and exorbitant there? Are they (laughs) fancy treats? I I wouldn't say fancy, although one one house did give us jello shots for the adults as we went by. (laughs) So a little bit for the kids and a little bit for the adults. So they definitely were getting into it. And you didn't, have to, you didn't have to even knock on the doors. A lot of people were just on their stoops and on their porches ready for you because it was just a nonstop line. There's no, ra- Are no way to go back inside. Are they parties a lot? Uh, like they'll have adult parties? Oh, yeah. Inside or on the on the porch having cocktails while somebody while they watch the kids get the candy? Yeah, and, you gotta, and these houses, since they're downtown, are you know steps away from the bars. So every bar is having a party. Every ho- The hotels down there are having parties. The witches are having parties. There are parties outside. So it's just party to party to party the entire time. Do you happen to know what the actual... Religious witches do on Halloween? Do they just stay in and watch, uh, you know, Seinfeld? No, I followed them around. So some, <laughs> I'm sure some of them are. Um, but no, they would do it, actual rituals. They did One coven did a giant uh, circle casting on the common. Another one did a, a march all the way down to Gallows Hill. And then that night they throw the witches ball. When they kind of all get together, you could buy tickets. I was there. I was in the witches ball. And they just have a party and you can do. All the religious witches? Yeah, yeah. They kind of band together for one night? Exactly. And they do a witches they're, ball. They're mm-hmm. competitors during the year. Aren't, aren't they <laughs> yeah. really? They are. As far as their shops go. Yeah, definitely. Their shops and their. Um, like, does Laurie Cabot. They, they do um, services as well? Like readings. Readings? Yes, I so, do so a lot, I did must, lot of those. So they must compete for that as yep. well. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then on Halloween, they. Throw down their competition and they all have a big. Yeah, I mean you're paying a hefty sum for that ticket, but so they're making money off of it. But yeah, yeah they're, they're they're doing it together. And you went? I did, I did, yeah. So was it? What'd you do? What was it fun? It was a it was a basic party. It wasn't it did, nothing stood out. So everybody's in costumes. Everybody was getting readings done. Everybody was drinking. Everybody was dancing. There's bands. There were different. There's four or five different types of bands. There were you know it, it was a high end ha- Halloween party. Put it that way. So it wasn't. I wouldn't call it any particularly witchy, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't also, it wasn't just a regular Halloween party. It was definitely really high end and thought through. What degree of royalty is Laurie Cabot? Oh, she's the one. I mean, she, at that party, for instance, she's, she's up in age these days, but she was kind of in the, kind of roped off into like a VIP section. She always had people around her. Uh, she is definitely cared for and, you know, kind of revered, revered. Yeah. Except for, I'm sure she has rivals. I'm sure they want her position, but in general, she's definitely revered. How much was the ticket? Man, I can't remember. It was definitely like something like I want to say, 
fifty to eighty five bucks a, a head, something like that. So it was it was not a nominal like bar twelve bucks. No, but you could you were writing a book. You deserve to go. I could write it off. Yes. All right, let's take one more <laughs> break and one more segment with our guest J W Oker on WBZ. We heard you on the radio. That's right. Now say my name. Bradley J. Jay talking. WBZ News Radio 10:30. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Turn on your radio. You've got me listening to this. Turn it on. Bradley J. Oh, you're a smooth talker. You are. You are. This is a Bradley J. on BZ Jay talking. You talk the talk. Do you walk the walk? WBZ News Radio 1030. Yes, indeed. One more segment with J.W. Oker. A season with the witch. J.W. lived in Salem for a, a witch season, you know, a Halloween season to experience the whole thing. And you have, we're at the point now we can talk about other things that you have written, but one more question. Sure. You went into detail in the book about Halloween, the day, 6 a.m. to the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of chronicle that day? Like that's that's a lot of stuff, a lot of time to cover. Sure. So we did, and we did a lot. I mean, obviously, we went downtown to see the shenanigans because that's the day that most of the people are in their costumes. Yeah. So that's the best day for people watching. Yeah. What'd you do at 6 a.m. though? Uh, we went and got pumpkins to carve. Okay. Because <laughs> it was just hard to find up until that point because we we weren't doing regular Halloween stuff. We were doing Salem Halloween stuff the entire time. But then I realized, oh, my kids want to, you know, get yeah. pumpkins. Went out to get news. Went out and got a newspaper because I found out that me and my daughter were on the front page. Okay. Just because by luck we got on the front page because we had been walking by what the guy dressed as a vampire at the right moment. Yes. Um, we went. I went to a couple uh, witch ceremonies uh, to, to watch those. And what what went on there? Uh, for the circle casting, they did a circle casting on the common where they kind of just. It, I don't know what that is. It's just everybody is in a circle and they just do kind of um, chants and hymns and they kind of just wish good things on the world. It's just like church. It is in a circle. It's a church okay. in a circle. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And then I went to there was a kind of not a it's not a parade, it's a procession. That's the word. A bunch of witches went a procession to Gallows Hill, which is near the spot of the execution. Yeah. And they did some kind of um, uh, some kind of ritual there as well. So I saw those guys. And they're all dressed up. They're all kind of in full regalia. It's a lot, a lot of a lot of fun to see that. We went trick or treating. We had to do that in Salem. Um, we went to a couple of the bar parties. Kind of went in, see what the scene was. We went to the witches ball, which is the all the witches get together for a party and sell tickets. And it's at the um, Hawthorne Hotel right there downtown. And then at the end of the night, we just went out. It, it shuts down at about 10, 1030. That's when the police start kind of herding everybody to the trains. And there's a fireworks display. That's how they know that the, the night's over. Yeah. It's a Halloween fireworks display. And it's all shot toward the train. So people kind of go toward the trains. Uh-huh. And then all the police just say, go home, go home, go. And they block off the park. They block off certain roads. And they just kind of pinch everybody away from Salem. They must have extra trains. Extra trains, extra cop, cops from all around uh, neighboring counties are coming in and cities are coming in to help out. They have mobile kind of cop units that are like, you know, 30 feet in the air so they can kind of see down the crowds. It's it's a, a big mobile, kind of thing. A mobile cop, mobile cop unit, like a truck with a platform on it? Exactly. It looks like a cherry picker, but it's like a little kind of headquarters up there. It's like a little room just in the air on like a, a, 
uh, an arm, basically. Yep. And they can just see everything. And then at the whole, at the police station, which I talked to a lot of police as, as well, they have like you know twelve monitors set up so they can see the entire city and kind of see what's going on because it is a massive operation. Now, do they like it or are they are they cussing and saying? No, they, uh, they seem to be good natured. I mean, the, yeah. the 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 people that are coming from other cities to to help the, the other policemen, obviously volunteering and getting paid. Um, any any cop you volunteering ask, or getting paid? Uh, <laughs> they're volunteering to get paid. I guess is what they're actually yeah. doing. So it's a detail. Yeah, it's a detail. And then if you go to any. All the cops have witches on their shoulders, their patches. Oh, that's and cool. any tourist that walks up to them and says, "Can I get a picture with you?" They're always saying yes. Yeah. So they're not. It's not like a military kind of feel to them. They feel just like neighborhood cops are there to help your safety. And their are. cruises have witch city on them, correct? Right on the door. There's a and a witch and a picture of a witch as well, right there on their doors. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Now you've always been an occult guy. Uh, what? Tell me some other books you've written. Sure. So before this book was um, Poland. Um, it was a b- book where I traveled the entire East Coast and a couple of, in London to track down every site that Edgar Allan Poe lived at, every monument, every artifact surviving from him, from pieces of his coffin to pieces of his hair. And I told his story from a geographic point of view. So it was another travelogue, but this time I was actually traveling and going up and down the East Coast looking for this, talking to people, interviewing everybody I could who was a Poe fan or a Poe collector. So what did you learn about Poe overall? Like, if, Say if you had a paragraph to explain what, what he was... What he was like? Was he a sad guy? Was he an insane guy? Was he, like, <laughs> he definitely had a lot of sad moments in his life. Uh, poor. I think most of his motivations from his entire life, dirt poor. I mean, he had to beg for shoes to go to certain events. Every single letter we have almost always has a P.S. Can you send money? So I think the biggest kind of thing to understand about Poe is how poor he was. So he didn't sell a lot of books at time? It wasn't well known uh, at all. It was, that wasn't until posthumously. I mean, his biggest sell was, I think, The Raven, and that was like five bucks. Uh, that's, that's, that's lifetime earnings on The Raven was like five bucks. So he was... The poorest guy. Every motive, everything he wrote was to make money. Everything he did, everywhere he moved, was to try to find some place to make a living. Does his family get money now from the books, or did they give up their rights? He didn't. I don't think he really has a family. Wow. There's definitely like um, he had no children, so there's no direct heirs. Um, and right now, it's all in obviously he's it's all in public domain now because he was a 19th century author. So there's nobody that really was owns. Was he really Poe. from Baltimore? No, he was from um, Boston. He was from Boston. Yeah, went to Baltimore. There's a really cool Poe statue. Yes. Here now. It's I, fairly fairly new. I chronicled that, the making of that statue as part of the book. That's really something. It's a really cool statue. People should definitely go see that. And what about another occult book? Um, I wrote a couple books where I tracked down death-related sites, both in New England and the state of New York, two different books, uh, the New England Grimpendium and the New York Grimpendium. Grimpendium. Grimpendium, as in a compendium of grim stuff. And if you hashtag stuff. that, one thing comes up. <laughs> right, only me. Exactly. Yeah. And it was basically anything dark, anything that dark that I could actually go visit. So I, I, I drove about 7,000 miles for the New England book, 9,000 miles for the New York book. I have a challenge for you. Sure. This is the final thing, a challenge. At some point in my life, I heard a story about a guy named Black Mark, who was a dude that was hung on the common, and the story as I heard it was they left him up for four years <laughs> until his skin hardened and turned black, and like a generation of school kids would have, have walked by this hanging dead person who had, who had actually turned black. I need to know. No one seems to know the story of that. I've I've never heard that. They definitely hung people, hang yeah, people on the common, so, definitely. But I've never heard that story. You can check out your Grimpendium resources. <laughs> I and, definitely can. And let me know. I will do that. Black Mark, I believe. Thank you so much, J.W. Oker. A season with the witch. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming in. It's cool that you came all the way in here. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.